0: Three, two, one. Oh, begin.
1: Happy New Year. <laughs> begin transmission. <laughs> now, let me ask you this: On New Year's, are you? Was I awake Forrest Gump, or are you Lieutenant Dan? What are you? Wait, am I what? Are you Forrest Gump, or are you Lieutenant Dan? Oh, God, I don't I don't know what happened. I can't remember. <laughs> Essentially, are you going for it or not? Oh, no it? way, dude. <laughs> no, so you're Forrest. You're Forrest.
0: Okay. Dude, I, so, yeah, I was- She it, but, tasted
1: and, like cigarettes.
0: I can't, I mean, I've had kids now for 14 years, and out of those 14 years, i would probably been up for midnight, like, half the New wow. That's bad. Yeah, like, and the funny thing is, before that, before that, I was, like, DJing on New Year's until, like, <laughs> 8 o'clock in the morning. Right, 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 right. I did a complete 180. Yeah. And
1: uh, I told my wife about that, too. There was, like, an eight-year streak when I was younger that I had to play a show on New Year's every year. Yeah. And it started getting annoying, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, you know, I'm the van dude. I'm the drummer. It's not like I can go to a show and party. I'm, like, half working, and I miss all the cool stuff every year. I'm, like... I just played a VFW to eleven kids, and my friends are out there getting slammed. You know, like maybe, <laughs> maybe I should live a little. Stop playing shows. Yikes! Um,
0: so, but, Brad, yeah, I just—I I would still say that I'm probably not going for it. I, okay. I mean, you know, I stayed up to about one o'clock this year.
1: Yeah. Oh, you made it. Good. Awful, awful TV stuff this year. Let's not get into that. It's the Optimist Club. yeah. And I've already been on WAX on YouTube because of the tune-up talking shit about Pete Davidson, which I kind of feel bad about. So I don't (laughs) want to double down now, you know? Um, Brad, have you seen the film Encanto? No. Oh, get into it. New Disney picture. Great songs. Okay, It's like the new Moana. You got to do it. I've seen it like seven times in the last week the songs are implanted in my head, full on earworms. I so, love Moana. Yeah, if anyone needs a little boost of just something innocent and beautiful right now, that Encanto is quite good. That's your recommendation? Um, yeah, why not? Okay, you know? we'll check it out this weekend. So, Brad, guess what I dug up for the intro for our New Year's Optimist Club episode? Uh, our... uh New Year's resolutions from last year? No.
0: Gross. (laughs) I don't so I'm some that worried.
1: Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, No, I found bizarre New Year's traditions from around the world. Ooh, nice. Things that people do at midnight around the world. You want to hear some? Yes, I do. Yeah, these are fun. Okay. So in Ecuador, scarecrow burning. (laughs) Scarecrow's filled with paper. They're filled with old photographs that represent bad memories. I like that. And then you burn it and banish it for the next 12 months. Uh, In Denmark, they smash plates. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, they go outside, they take unused plates. Sounds like a party. Yeah, the more plates you find outside of your house, the more luck you'll have on New Year's. Wow, Uh, This is a fun one. In certain countries in South America, apparently wearing colored underwear... Can bring uh, certain uh, things for the for the next year. So apparently, in like Mexico, Bolivia, Brazil, you know, if you want to find love the next year, you wear red underpants. Uh, If you're hoping for wealth, you should wear yellow, white for peace. So, tidy whities mean peace in Bolivia. (laughs) What do brown? Um, What does brown mean? um, (laughs) Earth Day. (laughs) So uh, in Japan, they do the Buddhist tradition of sounding 108 bells uh, or 108 rings. uh, And it's a Buddhist tradition that banishes human sins, bringing good luck to all, like Mm -hmm. that one. Um, This one in the Philippines, apparently they surround themselves with round things, from (laughs) coins to grapes, and they represent wealth and success. Oh, I like this one. In Italy... Many locals throw old furniture out the window to symbolize a fresh start for the upcoming year. From cushions to blankets, anything that no longer brings you joy will be chucked outside. quiets the revelers in the street below. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Couch coming! Um, And then (laughs) this will come up again in uh, Neil's interview with his daughter giving the finger to a cat. But uh, in Romania farmers spend their New Year's communicating with their livestock. No and apparently if they <laughs> succeed, good luck comes their way. And then the last one is in Argentina, they, they uh, shred all their old documents and papers and throw them out the window like confetti. They shred everything before the, the fall of the year to symbolize leaving the past behind. So these are fun, huh? Yeah, I
0: like that. It could incorporate some of those maybe. Yeah, which one could you do? i can definitely I, I go bet with you're the going underwear. underwear right yeah of course
1: you are <laughs> <laughs> the underwear man <laughs> or the
0: no underwear man <laughs> uh i have I a like pair that. of red underwear that i actually put on
1: every whenever it's christmas but i feel like that's kind of pressure too because like what if you had like a pretty good year but then like custom demands that you like take all this shit to burn and you're like ah, i don't want to like burn anything right now like feeling pretty good things are going
0: pretty well i don't want to shake it up yeah like you you might be like
1: forced to find the negative it's like you got
0: to keep filling the tank dude
1: it's like you got to re-up yeah right (laughs) i think i would just fill it with innocuous things baby um but i think i don't know i I like the burning (laughs) scarecrow i could definitely get into that if i I like the burning Manhattan (laughs) that's right even though isn't that what they do with burning man
0: yeah but fuck that shit
1: if I was a farmer, I'm going Romanian. I'm just gonna sit outside all night and speak to my animals, get drunk. You
0: probably did that on this New Year's. Do you have a
1: you have a dog? Did you I talk just got to your dog. dog? I mean, yeah, I talk to him all the time. There but you go. I'm talking about livestock. Like like just imagine this image, right? Me. It's very cold. Romanian countryside. <laughs> and I'm in a stable, just addressing like full of geese. Three cows, <laughs> two sheep, one magical horse, a number of geese, and we're actually like conducting a conversation, you know? Like, wouldn't you enjoy that?
0: I would enjoy, uh, yeah, I would enjoy
1: viewing that conversation. <laughs> I'd make you become part of it. You'd have to, <laughs> Brad. Live a little, man. Speak to an animal. You but t- anyway, you
0: reminded me of this, like, my brother used to have used to work at a brewery who they had this bright idea to have a petting zoo. And they had okay. like the stuff you would imagine. But then they had this fucking turkey that was like would come rub against you. And I don't know if you've ever seen like a male turkey before, but yeah, pretty pretty they're funky f-
1: animals. Total yeah.
0: freaks of nature like the any other animal, the behavior would have been super like cute and right. adorable. But with a turkey it was creepy as fuck.
1: Yeah, you're just like seeing those weird little neck parts oh. and stuff. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> I had that experience at uh, I, I went to visit, you know, Ben Ben Weinman from you know mm-hmm. Dillinger Escape Plan, suicidal tendencies. You know, he's got a farm and and a sanctuary, and I've taken the kids out there a few times. It's actually time to go again because I need to uh, feed the goats my Christmas tree. Um, <laughs> But when we were there, that was one thing I kind of noticed, like one of Ben's favorite animals is just this giant turkey <laughs> and he carries it around, you know, no. like he like picks it up, he carries it. They like, <laughs> they like get really close. They nuzzle. And I'm like, wow, dude, Ben is hardcore. <laughs> Look at that animal that he's nuzzling with right now. I'm like, that's not a goose. Uh, that's not a sheep. That is a funky ass turkey. I'm like, good for him. He's you know, got, he's going to have good luck this year. It's like uh, the famous Gorilla Biscuits song. I forget the name, but the line is, my true compassion is for all living things and not just for ones that are cute. Right. Thank you, Civ. Thank you <laughs> for that line. So I'd like to thank uh, Dr. Neal and Kaylee Goldsworthy and my father, yes, Richard Horowitz, for coming on and discussing the year behind and the year ahead and trying to, I don't know, make some sense of this shit a little bit, right? You can definitely use it. It's always helpful. So we got some smart, good-natured people on the docket. So uh, yeah, let's get into them. It's going on
0: Our first guest is the only returning optimist from last year's episode, and Benny's old pal, Professor Neil.
2: Happy New Year, fellas! Happy yeah, New, man, New, Year. New Year!
1: What's up, Neil?
2: Not much. I, uh, oh, I've missed you so. I've, I've missed you as well. I feel like our relationship over the course of the last few months has been relegated to just text messages.
1: Yeah, yeah. We usually get on the horn every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. But you're a busy man, Neil. You got eager young minds to teach. <laughs> eager young minds to mold in the home, you know, that's, that's, a bit, my eager young mind, you know, has to take the third seat here. It's okay. I still, Hi. I feel like half the things I send you are just like random YouTubes like I did yesterday. Like, Hey, you want to hear this quantum <laughs> physicist argue this Buddhist on YouTube? Cause, and, and,
2: and as you know, I, uh, as I've stated before, I'm the only Indian New Jersey bad at physics. So and math <laughs> and science. That can't be so, true. That so can't I th- be true. I think it is. I, I've, I've yet to meet a, 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 an Indian man that's uh, in my camp as far as being poor at math and science. Oh,
1: so I got to introduce you to my old friend, Sweekar Patel. Okay. Who lives down around D.C. and is a professional photographer, ex-skateboarder. Not a math and physics nerd <laughs> at all. <laughs> Can I tell you a funny story about Sweetheart Patel while we're on the phone?
2: Please. And uh, okay. hi, hi,
1: Brad. Hi. Oh, hey, Brad. <laughs> so Sweetheart lived in a uh, apartment complex called the Bridgewater Oaks. And for a small time, we hung out there a lot because there was a few skateboard kids there. And the back end of Bridgewater Oaks Abutted to the Somerville Circle shopping center. So, you know, we had a lot of access over there. It was good, good place to skateboard and be a miscreant, you know? Benny, so, can, I, can I, before I hold
2: that thought, I just, as a fun mm-hmm, fact, my, mm-hmm. uh, when we lived in Basking Ridge, my father owned the liquor store on the Somerville Circle.
1: Oh my God. I knew that and I've been there. Sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, so eventually they start this little group called the Oaks Boys which is, you know, some version of like a skateboard gang, totally unnecessary. And how you got in was you had to bomb the biggest hill in the Bridgewater Oaks sitting on your skateboard, which (laughs) essentially meant you were just going (laughs) to eat shit really bad one time, you know, to, to be in the Bridgewater Oaks, uh, to be an Oaks boy. But anyway, one night we're all hanging out at Carr's house really late and we decide as miscreants, we're going to take the family car None of us are 17. Take the family car to quick check. Okay. Food, you know, like random shit. We couldn't even buy cigarettes or anything. I don't even know why we did it. We come back, open the garage door, and who is there but Sweet Car's little sweet grandma sitting in, a, in, in the garage? In a, a sari. <laughs> yeah, I believe so. Or whatever her nighttime, her nighttime attire was. Yeah. Right. And she just had this magically innocent, sweet face. And we're all like, oh God, why is she awake? Oh no. <laughs> and we pull in and these are the first things she says. She says, ah, I wake up. I see no car. I see no sweet car. I am so <laughs> nervous. You know, I, don't like I don't like that. We all felt so bad. Like the worst gang of boys in the world. Cause we all melted for, for this beautiful woman, but classic sweet car story when he went, I see no car, I, and I see no sweet car. Brad, what do we think?
2: It. Brad, what do we think of Benny's uh, impersonation of an Indian grandma?
1: <laughs> if bad. I did that,
2: he would
0: call me a racist. <laughs> just so you know, oh no, I'm not allowed Wait. to do. Or maybe it's just
1: when I do like Jewish. <laughs> you accent. do a really bad, over the top <laughs> Jewish guy, Neil. How was how was it? It was was it really bad? I feel like
2: the first time, like you did. You did it twice. The first time, it end, It
1: sounded more Italian towards the end. <laughs> right. I was almost trying not to make it legitimate to keep me out of a danger zone here. I think I got too comfortable talking to one of my See, friends. That's always been summer.
0: my argument, is if you do a really shitty impersonation of somebody,
1: yeah. is yeah. it count? Is it racist? Like- oh, no. Neil, was this our <laughs> version of locker room talk? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Are you
2: guys, uh, you know, there's snow coming.
1: Oh yeah, uh, it feels Hopefully. like. It. Yeah, Neil, I'm gonna have to pull the old classic, like when somebody said ant- something anti-Semitic when I was a kid. It, yeah, and they'd be like, "No, no, no!" Like our best friend's family is <laughs> Jewish. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to do that. Just if someone calls me out, I'm gonna be like, "No, no, no!" no. Trust me, I'm friends with Neil and Carr. <laughs> it's okay. I know two personally.
2: <laughs> what it's when uh, I mean, obviously, whoever is listening to this doesn't you know know me as well, but what like I am a brown man and my wife is a white woman and nice. our, ki- our kids are, <laughs> are very Irish Catholic white and our our kids are half brown and half white and when she's in certain public settings and she makes like a brown joke oh. she'll she'll instantly go it's okay they're half brown and my husband's <laughs> Indian so i'm allowed I'm allowed to do that <laughs> i'm like
1: Hell yeah, you are. Of course, you are. <laughs> uh, I love it. Megan has. She has the pass. She has. The pass. She, does, she totally has the pass. <laughs> I love it, dude. Well, I hope knowing you gives me enough of a pass, and our Indian going off track listening audience is okay between, with
2: what between, just happened. Between me and uh, and Sweetcar, I feel like I feel like you've earned I enough. I think and, I'm covered. And to be honest, living in Somerset County in New Jersey in the '80s and '90s, I feel like
1: you're you're an honorary Indian. It's true. I mean, I mean, I spent a lot of time around Edison, <laughs> North Brunswick, all the hot spots. I love the food. So. All right, well, let's get out of this. I'm going to get in trouble if we keep going on. I might have already. Okay. Um, so, how are you, Neil? Uh, you know, uh, I yeah, I'm well. How are how are you guys? I feel like well. the last time we did this was uh a year ago, I believe. Yeah. Almost exactly. And, you know, as we like to honor the January 6th insurrection, I might want to have you back. <laughs> on this did, glorious day, I'd love to have you back.
2: Did we, um, did we? Was it actually on the 6th last year that we did? It was.
1: It was. Led by uh, YMCA, by the Village People, ironically. Which <laughs> I'll never get over the fact that all stadium anthems are Queen, the Village People, and Gary Glitter. I mean, if that's not irony, like Jesus Christ, you know, but yeah, it is, it is the anniversary. So you've had a, uh, particularly active week. Um, you okay?
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, I found out that I'm, uh, allergic to sunflowers and oats. And you found this out Ooh.
1: sort of violently, no? Uh,
2: yeah, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now it's, it's funny. I I I, uh, I wasn't sure if I, I anticipated you asking me about it, but I wasn't sure if you were actually
1: going to ask me about it. So since you asked me about it, I, uh. well, I mean, you know, a lot a lot of this episode, Neil, is about like perspective. You know, for for the you know the year we just had and the upcoming year and stuff, and I do find it um, sort of serendipitous that the person I often go to for perspective. Just had a potentially like perspective-driven <laughs> life-altering experience, you know. So I did yeah. want to ask about it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'll make a long story short. I, uh, you know, we uh, we had visited my uh, parents in Florida, and we were uh, on the plane ride back, and the flight was delayed. Um, and so um, uh, we're in the air, and I like you know asked the the flight attendant. Um, you know, they gave me a little cabernet. and I'm just, and then they came by with a cart, and and they had these granola bars, which I've never seen before. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I'll take two. And I like, I like ate them real fast and drank my wine. And within a couple of minutes, like it felt like there was like gravel in my throat. And I'm like, well, this is weird. I thought I like chewed it <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> pretty well. Right. Like ah, mm-hmm. oh, all right. So I'm drinking water. Drink water. And then like that, it, the movements so slowly went down my esophagus. I'm like, ah, oh, geez, this is weird. Like. I have indigestion, you know, and I asked my wife for tums. She's like, nah, I don't have any. And then I start like, like getting really hot and blah, blah. And then like this lasts for a couple hours. And this is on the airplane. This is on uh, the airplane. Oh, yikes. That's and right. I'm like, and, it, and in my head, I'm like, given our current like social climate, our our cultural climate, everything going on, I'm like, I just gotta like put my head down, suck this up, and just like, get to newark you
1: know oh like as in you don't want to be the guy who who has to land an airplane right now considering everything that's going on
2: you know going back to the our opening conversation i don't want to be a headline on fox news (laughs) <laughs> saying, Br- brown-, brown guy forces uh, oh. uh, a play- plane to land in <laughs> in, in Wilmington uh, because of it. And they put like allergies in quotes, you know, like, uh, I don't want to be. Can't breathe. <laughs> down mass. Yeah. 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 So, so all <laughs> these things circled in my head. And I'm like, yeah. all right, so. So you didn't want to make a scene. No. And yeah. And yeah. but what was funny is like my kids, they were I was sitting in the aisle seat and then okay. they were two next to me and two in front of me on the other side. And they would look at me like. Like my five year old was like, "Daddy, are you okay?" And I'm oh, like, "Yeah, I'm they like, knew. They knew." I'm like, I'm like, "I'm fine," you know. Like, what? Yeah. Like, and I uh, and I got real flush. We get out of the airport, and I like started to feel a little better. Drive home, get home, and uh and I like I was having trouble breathing. And there was a point wow. where all the kids were downstairs, and my my uh, my wife ran to Target just to get some stuff because we were out. And for about ten seconds, like I had lost, uh, like I couldn't catch my breath. Right. Oh. And I'm scary. But I'm in my bedroom and I'm so pissed off this is happening. Right. That that I start banging my fist on the bed and I'm like, oh, I'm not going out like this. <laughs> 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 who are you
1: who are you yelling at? I don't know. I
2: don't know. Not sure. And, yeah. and I and I yeah. like, this is this has never happened before. And I'm like, what the hell do I do? And I like went to the bathroom and I turned the, a cold shower on and and like I did it, and I stayed in there, and I got out, and I jumped back in, and I guess just to kind of shock my body. Yeah. Um, and then finally, like things after a little bit started to calm down. Huh. But I, I went to the uh, allergist, and it turned out that the two main ingredients in the bar that I ate, I'm allergic to it at 43 years old. That never happened to me before, and so I so bizarre. Yeah,
1: <laughs> especially such a violent thing, you know. Like, like I asked you on text. I'm like, have you never ingested an oat before? Like, what? Yeah, and now, yeah. like, is this now? It, I'm
2: like, all right, what's an oats? Like, what? I mean, not what's an oats? Like, what things have oats in it? Right. Uh, how, I, how
1: did you not go to the emergency room? Like, I like, think, so, how did you talk yourself out of that?
2: Because, like, it was crazy. Because I, I, the the breathing thing is when it. Like, really got me where I'm like, holy, holy shit, this is like, what the hell is happening, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I'm hearing like all three kids' voices downstairs, like, so happy to be home. They're like, and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> total buzzkill, right? Like, I'm not gonna yeah, sure. So I'm like, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna will this through to the very least, like, keep a face of so that. I'm like, Alive, you know, wow. and like and I'm, and so I think the shower. I I joked with the allergist. I'm like,
1: so you gaslighted your kids, but but it's good, way. <laughs> right, right,
2: right, right. Good
1: gaslighting.
2: Yeah. yeah, and uh, and the allergist asked me the same thing. He's like, why the hell didn't you call 911 I'm like, doc, you know what kind of world we're in right now? Like, I wouldn't, yeah, <laughs> right? You know? so yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Yeah.
2: If if the if the cold shower didn't shock my body out of it like that probably would have been the 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 recourse but i was doing everything i can to like not yeah (laughs) well
1: i really i really uh uh, compliment your control there because because my ass would have been like
0: help help Help! somebody help
1: and my kids would have been terrified (laughs) see this is why i have you on neil you know this is why
2: it's it's funny now, like when I. In you're retrospect, beacon of excellence. <laughs> that, that, oh, you're too kind. It's, it's it's funny in retrospect now, like seeing and like looking at myself banging on the bed. Like <laughs> right. I, you know, I don't I don't know who I don't know who I was talking to, but whoever yeah. it was, you know, I'm like, no, nope, I I got to figure this out, and <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to do some pondering on who you were so mad at. Like, were you, talking, were you talking to yourself or were you talking to the other side, you know? I, or both. Yeah. yeah. So, but,
2: but I'm good. I uh, right. got a clean Whew. bill of health and I uh, I just have to stay away from sunflowers and oats, which I'm still uh, in the process of figuring out like what exactly yeah, that is. What in
1: what? Yeah, shit, man. Well, I'm glad you're OK. That was Thanks. A, that was a scary one. Thank so man. speaking of like hiding it from the kids, um, yeah. you know, that goes on like almost the same theme we were on last year when we spoke, because, you know, you were sort of doing what you told me was like the Roberto Benini yeah. style of, <laughs> you know, kind of shielding your kids from the negativity. And, you know, another year's passed and your, your kids are older and more astute. Like, were you kind of able to, pull that off this year or did you have to be a little more transparent?
2: You know, I think in, you know, when you asked me to come on, I was thinking about where we were, you know, collectively as a society, but also like individually and familially and like, yeah, in our last conversation, it was like, what did we do from March 2020 to now to kind of keep the boat afloat? Right. Right. And then now for this past year, like, yeah, to your, um, question your point earlier like i feel like they they've definitely matured and there's like there's def, there's definitely an acceptance and an understanding of it and I, I, to mm. be honest uh benny and brad like they i feel like the only thing that they bring up and it's periodic it's it's not even it's not often it's every now and then is like when do we have uh, when are we going to stop wearing masks in the school right But other than that, like they, I can't speak for other kids or families, but they have. I'm I'm really proud of them as far as like how they've adjusted, how they as like now nine, seven, and five, like even the five year old, just like navigating through this time that even as adults is is very new and foreign and unfamiliar and unstable, and and they're like pushing through and they're laughing and they're having a good time and. And so a year later, like I'm 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 very grateful and thankful for that and thankful for them and the, and that perspective because yeah. you know, I, I think it's it's obviously I mean we hear all the time how like you hear adults, like grown adults, be like, This is so tough. <laughs> you know, what right, I mean? like, right. can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. But like but also think like think of the perspective of like these little human beings sure. who are depend depending on you to navigate them and yes. if they if they see you being like acting like that scene in an airplane when they run out of coffee, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like they're they're gonna, they're gonna follow suit. So like, Uh, they've been, they've been great, you know?
1: So as, as like an observer of, of, you know, humans and humanity in general, like, you know, after a two year sample size of watching this in effect with your kids, like, What's your best guess as to what the major differences would be in the kids going through that and kids like us who didn't go through this? Like, like when they come out the other side of this, th- there's no chance there's going to be nothing that's different. And wh- right. what do you think is going to be the most like major kind of internal impact of, of, of this for kids?
2: So I I think I'm gonna if if it's okay with you I'm gonna answer this more from the educator perspective, like the college educator perspective please Dr Neal in the house because I because I because I feel like I feel like with elementary school kids there's still time right 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 and I feel like they you know I mean ask yourself like what do you remember from second grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's you pretty know?
1: scattered. It's scattered. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah. And you know, and there's maybe maybe major event like a blip right. here and there. You know,
1: a couple so weird think, flashbulb memories, but yeah, like nothing too yeah. clear. Yeah,
2: but I feel like I mean, I mean, maybe I'm I'm wrong in this, but I think when when you get like as you start to reflect on the on growing up and when you like high school, there seems to be more of a longer narrative mm. in terms of memories and in terms of like events. Yes, that's true, but. When you are in your single digits, it's like it's choppy, and there is like major experiences that you remember. But as far as like the fluidity and the cons, the constant of it, it's like not so much. I don't know. That's that's at least for me. Like I remember major events, but I don't remember so much like like the the mood or the vibe of like a particular age of like five or six or seven. I remember specific things that you know, but like I, but I remember how I felt in freshman year in high school. I remember how I felt what. You know, so I, so that's what I mean about. I personally, again, as a disclaimer, this is all just my unprofessional personal perspective. But right, I think like, but uh, so I think I think there's still time, and I think there's still time that whatever when we do come out of this, like to undo or even enhance and strengthen uh, the positives that uh, the 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 younger kids have experienced. Have um, you thought
1: about at all, like how you plan to undo that? I mean, I think right now, like, I
2: don't, right, knock, knock on wood, maybe ask me in, in five years when we do our a five year anniversary show. Right.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Optimus <laughs> Club it? seven then, Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, 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 and I notice this with a lot of my, my, uh, friends, kids, like they're, they're rolling with it. Yeah. There's like ups and downs and bumps along the way, but generally speaking, the kids are rolling with it. And it seems like the adults have a harder time mm. adjusting um, than the children do, you know? I mean, I
1: guess in general, that's probably true for all adults, right? We're just more steadfast in our rituals and what we like, and kids aren't as ingrained, right? Like, they're still well, a little Kids looser. are
0: resilient by necessity, yeah. Yeah. you know, mm. for
1: survival. Absolutely. How do you mean?
0: They have to be resilient. They have to be able to kind of, like, they can't be too impacted by things and then... right. You know, people our age aren't supposed to even be living anymore. So (laughs) (laughs) as
2: far as human
1: evolution up until, you know, 500 years ago. (laughs) But, But Neil, the thing about that, though, is like, you know, I know that you believe in, you know, the subconscious mind and the power of, you know, feeling and what that can do you know, your body or emotional state, like without even really knowing it. Right. And I feel like that potentially is the larger impact for kids. Like these things that are going to be almost much harder to understand, you know, like uh, sort of this behind the surface, like, you know, attention for two years, a fear for two years, kind of this overarching, like, be a little weary of the person next to you you know like look out for what they're doing if they cough maybe take a step away like it's that little things where i'm like I, i'm wondering in like 20 years what these adults will wind up like and if they're any different from us you know yeah, i mean you know, obviously I, there's a million variables into that you know like we also didn't grow up with the internet in our house which is probably even bigger variable than covid you know right. but
2: i mean to to that point like i i the irony of it is like i, I Leading into the start of 2020, you know, a lot of the academic articles and just not even just nerdy academic articles like NPR stuff is always about, was always about too much screen time and what too much screen time is doing to our kids, right? Mm -hmm. And then like the pandemic hits and almost every single kid in America is forced to, to go on their screens. That's right. And operate and navigate their education through the same screens that a few months ago. researchers and yeah yeah so so it's it's i don't know if it's necessarily like a copy and paste i'll I'll, I'll be honest speaking as an educator i think some uh kids have have flourished and thrived in in the uh in the particular environment that they uh have been in the last uh year plus Mm -hmm. and i think you know some have not and i think um much like every like anything and everything like it, uh, it's very individually based. But also, what kind of support system each child has, like as right. it pertains to family, as it pertains to community, as it pertains to, pertains to the school system, right? Um,
1: sure, you know, yeah. It's, gu- like, it's going to be easy to paint this with a broad brush when it's when it's really yeah. going to be much more complex than that. Yeah, but but to you know, the positive though too is like
2: uh, to your point about hey, watch when that kid coughs or whatever, like. I got to tell you, I wonder if like human beings and the planet in general is a lot cleaner just as mm-hmm. far as like the people washing their hands and, and being mindful, <laughs> being mindful that, hey, they are coughing. You know, right. like instead yeah. of just, ran, ran, you know, randomly, uh, uh, we, I went bowling uh, three days ago at this uh, place around the corner. And the last time I we went there, like a year or so ago, it was kind of dirty. And I walked in, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's the same bowling alley. It's mm. like,
1: <laughs> you know? okay. Yeah, I'm, just like standard.
2: Yeah. I feel like just in terms of sanitary and health, like, uh, I feel like people in general have, have stepped it up a little bit, you know? So yeah. I think that could be, that could be a good thing sure. as they get older, as far as just, you know, being cognizant and aware of, of, each, uh, themselves and each other. Um, when they're, you know, when, when they're sick or on their, are unwell, or if, if, uh, they're coughing or whatever. So I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily think that's, I don't know if that will have any like negative long-term, uh, Right, know. like
1: it'll it'll like slow down disease transmission and like making out at bars with people you don't know. Yeah. You know, both yeah. 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 things that we could probably like, we could probably let go of, right? You know. But,
2: but I will say, when I, like, from the perspective as an educator and teaching like eighteen to twenty-two year olds, I, I will say, like, regardless if you went to college or not, or say, like, hypothetically speaking, you're starting out in a, in a soon-to-be successful band, right? Right. Uh, like, that time frame is scary. Uh, mm-hmm. And that time frame is like, holy cow, this is my opportunity to kind of, or my chance, and my, I'm done with high school and I'm trying to figure out what direction my life is going to go. So I feel like as college students, that thing is like the foundation. That's there. Mm. But now you have the uncertainty of, of well, the, the, the instability of what a, a global pandemic brings, number right. one. But then also now the uncertainty of like, what is there for me once I get out of this mm-hmm. time frame? Because, like, from you go back, I guess, to our generation, if you went to four year school, for the most part, like a, a job was like you know kind of like secure, or at least like yeah. you had a, you had a good chance of of getting uh, some sort uh, form of employment upon graduation.
1: Towards the beginning of our generation, I would say more than towards the end, but
2: yeah, right. for sure. Right. Yeah, and that now, and I, so I, so I'm curious to see what type of impact this has on, like, the generation of college students and, like, some high schoolers um, mm. going forward.
1: Yeah, so you uh, think this could kind of alter, like, academics altogether in a way? Totally, totally, yeah.
2: you know? Yeah. So, yeah, the, the elementary school kids, it's not something, at least speaking as a parent, I'm not too, it's not something I'm too concerned about. I, yeah. But I'm interested to see what uh, college life and college students going forward will be.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And to Brad's point, I you know, there's been a bunch of times I'll see someone complaining or saying something. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're 52. <laughs> you know, you just gave up year 52. Like, who cares? No one even celebrates your birthday anymore. Like, <laughs> like there are people like who are suffering a lot more. Like, like you said, it's it's really bizarre. Like when you, you know, I don't know what the phenomenon is, age wise or memory wise, but when I think back to parts of like middle school and high school and just after those years feel so long and so full, you know, like I can think of dozens of things from those years that bring me back to a specific place. I can't tell you year 37. Right. (laughs) Like (laughs) I I don't really know, like a bunch of stuff happened and I'm still alive, but but like, (laughs) but yeah, it's not like that foundational ground. That, that other people have. Yeah. Maybe those and, are the people who are most at risk from this is sort of around that age. Well, ke- keeping that in mind,
2: I, uh, and this is totally uh, not a plug, right? But, <laughs> but, but I, I approached my, uh, one of uh, the head faculty members and asked if I, like I was inspired. There's a course at Yale called the science of happiness.
1: Oh yeah. Um, I listened to the happiness lab, her podcast.
2: Okay. There you go. Yeah. And so, so I kind of, uh, a course I created um, is called Pursuit of Happiness and the Good Life. Oh,
3: nice! And it
2: and it was one one of the inspirations, and motivations behind it was like, wow, you have you know a, a cohort of like two years, two three years of students, college students coming in who like didn't ask. Obviously, nobody asked for the pandemic, but are are in the situation where they're entering college on their own for the first time, but now like experiencing this this um, global change and like mm-hmm. this this influx. And I kind of, at least for our students, wanted to give them something to kind of ponder and, and, and something like hopeful and positive to kind of go out uh, of their four-year education with. And and one of the, the inspiration behind it outside of that class was like, I don't know, I mean, I, I know from just talking to you what like punk rock was for you, what it did for you. Sure. And, you know, and, and I think similarly, like one of the things going to shows and what taught me was like to kind of create your own path and that mm. and that happiness and destiny isn't like when people say like i'm just trying to find myself or i'm just trying to find this like because <laughs> right. that's how everyone sounds to me when they're yeah. uh,
1: <laughs> right? about right um, Yeah, uh,
2: it, i feel like it implies that there's like a buried treasure hidden somewhere and it's like yes. it's on you
1: and i and i, and I i've always almost felt like least, an escape fantasy right
2: totally totally. Yeah, and i and right. i've always felt that that terminology was like super unfair because if you can't find it then what the hell like you're totally f right right and so, like you have so, to
1: work towards happiness, and here are functional steps to actually go in that direction. Like more of that it's
2: it's more like I, I kind of like the the class centers on this idea. Like first off, I I tell them like if you think you this class is going to make you happy, then you're wrong, and you should get your money back.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> right, 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 right. 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 This isn't the golden
2: ticket, right? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, just by yeah. just by sitting in here taking notes isn't going to put a smile on your Being face. Being in and, my <laughs> presence,
1: as much as I'd like to think, will not grace you with happiness. Yeah.
2: But but really, <laughs> and, it, and it and it runs parallel to like at least my interpretation of like early '90s, mid '90s, like punk bands and punk shows mm. is like of like car uh, creating and carving out your own path. Yeah towards like the things that like bring you joy Mm -hmm. and bring you contentment and bring you satisfaction. And that includes like rejecting potentially parental, religious, political, social, cultural influence, you know? Right. Sure. And I, and I think that for me, uh, at least is one thing that I try to impart and bestow on the, on, on undergraduates is like, you know, like, you're coming in the, into these institutions to to learn, but also it's your chance to figure out for yourself. Like, holy crap, I've lived 18 years by being taught this, or being surrounded by this, or being, you know, told to do this, and now it's your chance to kind of break off certain pieces and keep certain pieces, and kind of give the finger to other pieces and mm. and um, and so that's like kind of like the focus, and that's in a way like one of the thing one of the things I wanted to do during the pandemic was kind of create and produce something that at the very least can help give these students like a step up or kind of give them something to, to hold on to as they navigate their lives forward. And, 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 uh, and,
1: um, this is one of those things. So how, how have you found know, it uh, so how, far? Like how it goes. it's been like, does it feel like you've made like an impact?
2: You know, I, so this semester in the spring will be the first, Time that it officially runs i okay. uh, i ta- I use some of uh, some of the themes that I plan on focusing on uh in previous classes in the fall, and you could t- like it seems like there is a shift like going back to what we talked about earlier like I feel like our generations our generation there was a lot of focus on you know capitalism and and monetary pursuits mm-hmm. and and I feel like a lot at least the students that I encounter like they're they're seeking like meaning both in life, but also in work, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I, like I, and that's the thing. Like I can't, I'm in no position to tell anyone what's meaningful to them.
1: Right. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. But but if I can give you a tool or a, or a quote or a book or a conversation or discussion, or or that kind of helps you derive your own meaning and gives you a tool to kind of help create that, then, then, you know, then hopefully that's so, something little that the class can contribute in their lives.
1: Sure. Can Brad yeah. and I take this course online? Yeah. To, uh, uh bra- it's, well, it's, it's, face. <laughs> it's- <laughs> We're interested, I'm just saying. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's in person, so, uh, mm. um, but I, like, on a less serious note, I mentioned the middle finger. Uh, this morning, my seven-year-old daughter asked me if, uh, Animals can understand the middle finger. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to which I think so, right? The the to which my first thought was like, "Geez, like Megan's got to stop giving me the finger when I miss <laughs> the the dishwasher, <laughs> or like right. Right. Or put the wrong clothes in the laundry basket, right?" And I was yeah. like, "Nah, I don't think so, sweetie. Like, I don't think they would understand the middle finger." And and I like go back to making breakfast, and I turn around, and the cat is on the steps, and. She's giving the middle finger to <laughs> <of> the cat, <laughs> and I and I see it, and she doesn't see me looking at her. So and I'm like I'm like watching this because I am cracking up, and I
1: <laughs> and she like
2: she'll put it up, and then she'll wait for a reaction, and then she'll put it down. Um
1: huh. the and scientific like process. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: And then she puts it up again and then she puts it down and it's, it's so good. It was, wow. <laughs> did you ask her about her results? Uh, <laughs> I, was, I finally looked over, I'm like, what are you doing? And she was like, I was giving the middle finger of the cat. Clearly. <laughs> and I'm like, like, all right. Uh, okay. Okay. Just don't, I, just don't, don't do it again. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. But I don't know if it, I feel like on one hand, I'm like, wow, that's, kind of awesome parenting on the other. I'm like, is it though? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, I, I felt, uh, when I mentioned the middle finger and, and wanted to get less serious about, that's really funny, man. <laughs> 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 All
1: right, Neil, just to finish, we're going, we're going totally uh cliche for the end. Okay. I want to okay. know if you have any resolutions and what you plan to do with that. Any resolutions?
2: Oh, wow. I don't like,
1: I, I, I don't usually
2: make resolutions, but.
1: Take over the Capitol this time? Oh, jeez. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like, we're laughing, but are we really? <laughs> you know, we laugh at pain. Yeah, right, <laughs> That's what
1: we do. That's the Jewish way, man. That's why Mel Brooks was funny, okay? Wait, was it? Pain, pain, what they
2: say pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional, right? Is <laughs> right. that a- That's it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, no resolutions then. No, no, you know, I, I just, I, I feel like um, I just want people that work, like, you know, family, friends, everyone to, as corny and cliche as this may sound, but to obviously stay healthy, but also, and I guess in light of the conversation we had earlier, like, now, like, charted a, a new path towards happiness going forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe not so much look back, I'm like, oh... It, Life was so great in 2018 and 2018, right, you know? right, like, right, right. but but instead, like, all right, here's here's what it is, and this is what we've gone through for two years. Assuming that you know things uh, in the spring and summer lighten up a little, and, and that we uh, kind of create our new path towards uh, towards whatever the future holds uh, ha- happily and, and a, in a healthy way and and joyfully. That's that's kind of what my what I will try to do, and, and I hope. Uh, this, I wish the same for family and friends.
1: I love it. We're still alive. We're still in paradise. Let's do it, right?
2: Yeah, okay. and by the way, uh, real before we go, uh, I have a question for you both. Do you wear thermals when it's snowing or, or no?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a pretty much like under 30, like, well, maybe like under 28, like full-time thermal wear.
0: Yeah. Because yeah, I, I
1: don't want to be afraid of the outside. I live here. You know, so so from nine to five, if it's under 30 degrees, I got my thermals on so I can function as a normal human being in the winter. Yeah. How about and you,
0: Brad? Well, I live in a pretty hot apartment. I'm in a high <laughs> rise and they crank <laughs> oh, yeah. up the heat, which is nice because I can open a window in the winter.
1: Oh, um, so you clearly have the radiator you have no control over,
0: right? We, well, we do, but it's kind of just either on or off. Right. right. This building is built like in the late 50s and it's not.
2: And I, and I asked that question not to sound like a creep. I just, we have all our, our winter gear out because uh, apparently I think it's, we're going to get like anywhere between three to five inches. That includes yeah. uh, up by you, Brad, right? Sounds
0: like it. Yeah. My 10 year old is so ready for
1: it. Yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. My kids are stoked. I bought him <laughs> uh, snowball makers for Hanukkah and we haven't been able to use them. So that'll be cool. <laughs> uh, well, th- th-
2: th- th- for, thanks yeah. for having me. This was great to like, talk to you guys uh yeah. you know one year later and i wish yeah. you both uh, a happy new year same and, love uh, you Neil. Happy new year love you too
0: our next guest kaylee goldsworthy is a very talented solo artist who's got an awesome new record out that you should check out she's been a guest on the show before and she's also played and sang with a lot of your favorite
1: going off track guests hey hello so how's it going
3: it's going pretty, it's, I mean, all things considered, great. Yeah. How about you?
1: Well, you're sitting on the phone doing press, right?
3: Yeah. This is, is this cool. this press? Yeah. Let's Am call I it, press? I mean, sure. Why not?
0: Am
1: I the media now? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: You're the liberal media,
1: Benny. I think you media, are. Oh. Think Biased you are. liberal media biased liberal you're definitely media. Definitely well, biased. Definitely, I definitely know that. I'm certainly biased. 1000% <laughs> about that. The <laughs> my commitment to being a media member, that's that's uh, in question for sure. Um well, I guess that would mean you're a member of the media too because you have a podcast and a and a Twitch channel and a YouTube show, right? I guess so. So with all three of those, I would consider you maybe a media mogul? Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I don't no. know that I would I would <laughs> consider myself uh, really excelling at any of those things, but <laughs> maybe maybe just like kind of floating around a little bit.
1: Hey, it seem fun. I checked it out today. Um, so I love the new songs. Thank you. They're awesome. Thanks. Um, and quite infectious. Uh, how'd you get that video together? It's fucking funny. <laughs>
3: Thank you. <laughs> like, I mean, I just, so I think, and it's funny because, I mean, Benny, we know each other somewhat, you know, long-term-ish sure. in regards of acquaintanceship. I'm making yes. up words. This is, this is like the it. energy I'm bringing into 2022.
1: No, we invent the media now. We just yeah <laughs> we say you know we want. As a yeah.
3: mogul, I figured <laughs> yes. I might. Um, so I... I feel like I kind of always knew I wanted to be performing my music and mm-hmm. I hadn't quite figured out um, the voice, like who I was as a solo artist. I've always been mm. behind people and I I credit like my work ethic, my musicianship, my friendships. Like I love being an auxiliary player behind Dave, behind Frank, Bayside, like I'm, I feel honored to have had all those opportunities, but I knew deep down, like long-term, if I'm going to try to attempt to become the mythical, um, full-time touring musician singularly, I needed to figure out who I wanted to be as a solo artist. And I Mm. think it took the completion of this record, but I have this like clarity on the vision Hmm. that I've never had in my entire life in any oh, wow. project I've ever been a part of.
1: When did you like, uh, was that like a, a progression or was there like a point? You were just like, oh shit, like that's it. Like I feel
3: like it was a progression because for so long when you're kind of developing yourself as an artist or when you sit down with like the homework of like, write a bio. Who are you? Who do you want to be as a solo artist? <laughs> right. um, it gets so like fucking sad and like <laughs> contrived and like right, all of a sudden yeah, it kind of yeah. takes all of the creativity out of the creative endeavor. And so sure, it, sure. I mean, I started recording this record with Will Yip on January 2nd, 2020.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. I
3: finished the record like two months ago. <laughs> okay. So I feel like it was a slow burn and also like this weird full circle, like, Come in hopeful, plummet into the deepest depression of your entire life, Mm. question your existence and future in the music industry, write a Mm. couple of songs because you are supposed to during this time. (laughs) Right, because everyone
1: else said they were being so prolific at home.
3: God, it was so (laughs) fucking frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) And then Taylor Swift comes out with fucking, I, I was just like, all right. I'll try this songwriting thing again. Um, but then once i once I felt like, okay, because also for so long, I felt like, what is the point? Like mm. there's so many things happening in this world, and I feel like the last thing that we need is a white woman being like, but listen to me. Uh, Uh, I felt like I just needed to shut up and I feel like I needed to Mm. just like put my head down and, and do my work and not talk for a little while. So you just couldn't
1: see like a comfortable, like landing spot for it almost.
3: I mean, I'm not Bob Dylan, (laughs) you know? Well, how do you know? (laughs) I mean, but see that, but see, I think I had to kind of come through that, that point where I was like, oh, there, there still is a place for music. Yeah. In this time. Yeah. And I kind of just had to navigate through like kind of the, my own barriers um, sure. with struggling with depression and anxiety yeah. um, to figure out what my purpose was. And I, so I think kind of coming out of that was when I was like, oh, I'm not like the punk tattooed girl with the acoustic guitar. Like, no, I'm right, like right. a normal person that if you see my shows, like it's kind of half stand-up, half songs. Like the I played like three shows this year uh-huh. so far and two of them were opening for Frank Turner in Philly and right. at Crossroads. And I had a set list. I had 45 minutes and I was like, I'll play seven songs, which even still for 45 minutes, you're like, that's all. I only played five. <laughs> I talked wow. so much and it was great. <laughs> I just like, I like... Huh. i like talking to people yeah yeah and so, so i just did was playing like
1: those shows kind of give you that like uh i guess that like confidence to get behind your own voice like that
3: i'm just jazzed up and i love like i've just embraced the awkwardness and embrace like the weirdness <laughs> yes, and also yes. like i'm so i mean especially at a frank turner show or a menzinger show or a bayside show like come on, a girl coming up on stage by herself to open for a full band show? Like, Mm -hmm. I I would make fun of me too. So let's just like laugh about it. And and I don't mean that in a bad way because there are a lot of people are receptive to No, I get it. Listen,
1: the the people who come to those shows, some of them are the same (laughs) people who went to Gaslight shows or go to Gaslight shows. And I get there's an element of broness.
3: You got to get on that level and you also have to just like, you just got to lay it out for them. And essentially, if I was like, yo, hey, I'm me. What's up? Right. Guess you weren't expecting this. Thought you, Mm -hmm. you know, I bet you don't think it can get quieter than this, but it's about to because I'm going to play a ballad. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like you just kind of like you say what they're thinking and then and then you kind of like become their friend, which as an opener has always kind of helped me out in my, huh. in growing my fan base. So I'm sorry, this was like the longest answer ever to oh, how no. I kind of came up with the video. But it's really when, interesting.
1: Um, <laughs> um, so wait, in that song then, like, you know, when I'm listening to the overambitious song, you know, the, uh, the line about, you know, finding your voice and yeah. using it, you know, to me, that translated to um like kind of being a maybe in a male dominant world and like not being able to I guess your voice being quieted by, you know, the chorus of like um, brassy voices that are around yeah. you. Um, but also it sounds like it was almost like a personal thing, like an attempt to actually find your like unique songwriting voice too. Right. I guess
3: it's kind of funny because overambitious was one of the first songs that I recorded uh-huh. and in 2020 and I'd had that song. Cause yes, you're absolutely right. But I don't think it, it was, it like became even more meta
4: now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like it didn't even have
3: that like additional layer until now. And so when they, when they came to me and they were like, what do you, do you have any ideas for this video? I was like, dude, the song's called overambitious. I want to make this the most, like the most overambitious thing. And I don't know (laughs) if it's going to be possible, but I want everybody that backed me up or everybody that I've ever backed up to back me up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got a good group of people there with a nice sense of humor. Uh, Yeah. Was anyone like, uh, who was who the hardest pitch to get in?
3: None of them. Honestly, no, the, only, the only hard part about that video was trying to get, like, people together, which obviously it just couldn't it couldn't be done. Dave was working on a new record. Right. Or it had just come out. Um, and so, like, he was back and forth between Philly and, and uh, California. And it never even dawned on me to do Zoom until we were, like... Two days before, I was waiting to hear if Kevin was going to be at the shoot, and he was mm. like, "Can I just zoom?" And I was like, "Holy shit! Why didn't we think about that?" Mm. That's such that so encapsulates like yeah. what music making has been like for the yeah. past
1: two years. Super contemporary, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm I'm happy to hear it, and the song is so good. Um, Thanks. It's kind of strange. I I never even thought of it that way. Where like. Um, somebody who's, you know, a multi-instrumentalist like you were for, or, or are, you know, for like so many years. But I guess I never thought you don't get to dictate your own schedule. Like, yeah. like, you you might tour for a couple months and then someone decides to take a year off and then, oh, like, I guess I'm taking a year off. Like, yeah, it's... So I, I think it's... um. Yeah, it's nice to see the fact that you just have like control over your own ship. That's cool, you know?
3: I mean, it was the scariest leap ever to Mm. to do that because the one thing like being an auxiliary musician has always been great. And yeah, it does dictate your schedule. It kind of is like, okay, everything else comes first. And then if I can sneak in a solo tour or like four days in the studio, then maybe I can work on something else for me. So at the end of 2019, as we were all like feeling very confident about the future. Um, right. I was like, I'm yeah. going to take the leap and I'm just going to focus on, it's going to be solo stuff first and then it'll be auxiliary stuff that like, and I still think I'll do it no matter what because sure. I, I love making music with my friends, but I think it will be on more on a like, if it'll come secondary. It'll be like, oh, right. I don't have anything going on and this sounds like a lot of fun. Like it's, yeah, it's also really a... cool to get to the point where you can start to say no to things. <laughs>
1: right. Yes, <laughs> and you don't want to be like the singer up there, like rocking a violin while you sing.
3: I can't do that. <laughs> I can't. I'll try, but it's not great. It One just of them's feels gonna be attitude. yellow
1: card, doesn't it? Like you just I don't, get and out I of that can't. Wheelhouse. Yeah, I can't do
3: that either. <laughs> can't do that either.
1: So, Kaylee, this is called the Optimist Club episode, and I call it that because last year, you know, I felt almost the same as you. I'm like, what could I? possibly say that's useful right now, you know, like um what could I add to any discourse that's useful? So I decided to not add to any discourse and mm-hmm. just try to figure out some things with other people that are like making you feel better, gaining perspective, ways to frame this that make life tolerable, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you mentioned same as me, like um it's been ups and downs this year, depression, anxiety, like I get it for sure. But I think the thing I'm curious now is like what kind of stuff are you using to get out of it? Cuz you know some people stay down there when they're down there and it's commendable when you can find your way out and then still be productive and creative. So what were yeah. you using um to kind of pull yourself out of these funks?
3: Drugs? No, I'm just huh? I'm kind of <laughs> I'm half kidding. Lexapro is great. Um okay. I, first and foremost, I I honestly believe that Especially in a time like this, um, seeking help when you need it mm-hmm. is is sure. the best thing that you can do because you're never going to fix all of like the un- like the underlying reason of why you feel that way until you address it. Right. Um, so I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I'm a huge proponent of medication if that's what your doctors and you deem necessary. Sure. Um, and once you can kind of pick yourself up out of that hole, it's all about. Um, Figuring out, like, you know, in the absence of music, and music is our identity. Like, what makes right. you happy? Mm-hmm. Um, figuring that out, I took, <laughs> I took a watercolor class. Nice. Uh, at a Fleischer Art Institute in Philadelphia, and it was me okay. and six other retired people. Oh,
1: that's awesome!
3: <laughs> and we just went to different places every week in Philadelphia and just painted watercolors oh, of the river or of that a garden. So nice. And I just like I started digging deeper into, like, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is what self care is. Ah, um, it's right. like watering your own plant so that you can produce and. Mm. And when I stopped trying to, like, figure out what was happening with my career, is my agent still going to work with me? Am I going to have a label for this record? What's going to happen to it? When is it going to be released? If I release yeah, yeah, it before yeah. I tour, what's going to happen? Like, all, you can spiral. Sure. And then I was like, you know what sounds great? Taking a nap. <laughs> right. Um. And yeah, setting right. boundaries and, like, learning how to navigate your day-to-day with some semblance of structure, but stuff that will bring you actual joy. And half huh. of the difficulty doing that was figuring out what brings me joy. Because right. for the first year, playing guitar was not it.
1: Yeah, right. You needed something different. Yeah. yeah. So besides for that, I mean, amazingly meditative Water class. Uh, water. Yeah. <laughs> that, Cause that sounds great. I'm registered
3: um, for two more this semester. Oh, I can't wait. I,
1: yeah. Like you just tickled my interest. I'm like, wait, is there like an old person watercolor class I can take? I'm
3: crazy. taking figure drawing, printmaking this semester.
1: Oh, I'm just,
3: I'm going all in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so what were the, um, you know, besides for the watercolor and stuff, what were the things that you were sort of newly discovering could bring you joy?
3: The outdoors. Oh, um, awesome, a hundred percent. My parents now live back up in the Adirondacks in upstate New York, uh, so cool. oh, nice. frequently visiting them was great. Also, during the pandemic, they moved from Colorado back to New York. So at one point, we just drove to Colorado and we were oh, like, wow. "Dude, let's just stay here as long as we want." Um, we Is adopted it like pretty
1: pretty remote out there. Oh, where
3: they were absolutely, oh, wow. absolutely. Are they they don't, like it,
1: homesteaders,
3: not entirely, but. I mean, it's like two hours to anything. Fuck yeah! Yeah, so uh, we adopted a dog. That same
1: same Macy from the video.
3: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's her. That I think she collectively like turned our lives around because having the love and and compassion of a dog, and also like. needing to get up in the morning because your dog needs to get fed. Yeah. Yeah. Having that kind of, uh, love and accountability is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I just kind of fell back in love with tasks that could be completed, which is kind of funny. I have a work from tour job that I've had for the past five years. Um, it kind of just like undershadows, like it just follows me wherever I go. I'm on tour. I do billing for this small business. Oh, really? And there's just something so satisfying about being like, these are my list of invoices. Mm -hmm. I will invoice these and then I'm done. Hmm. And so I started doing things that had like a completion, like starting to read books again.
1: Interesting. You know,
3: and I'm talking like, I was like, I can't read any more nonfiction. I can't read any more self-help books. I'm like, give me me a rom-com. Give me right. anything like I, I'm just going to watch trash on TV. I might as well read about it and then at least make my brain smarter for reading. It sounds
0: yeah. kind of Zen actually.
3: It really is.
1: Overall approach. I think it's, yeah, it's interesting you say that. Cause I, you know, I have a sort of strange obsession with like, I'm a bigger sports statistics fan than I am sports fan probably. Which is strange. Like, I could happily watch that's fascinating, like basketball stats all night (laughs) long, but like, I'm not going to sit there for five hours and just watch basketball. Um, and over and I've always been like that. I've done some strange things with statistics when I was a kid. Like, uh, you know, I'd spend Sundays with like the baseball insert of the New York Times, making my own ranking systems for baseball players and stuff. And over the years, I've discovered and and maybe, you know, you find this too, because your billing job kind of made me think of it, which is, I've always thought that like music is like nothing but gray area. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no absolutes. <laughs> there's no yeses and nos, and it could never finish getting better.
3: It's never done until someone says it is.
1: exactly. And it's like this constantly moving amorphous blob that you sort of like, it's almost nearly impossible to get 100% confidence about anything. Like, and people yeah. who do are kind of like sociopaths. So, <laughs> like I found yeah. with the sport this is like okay, this is black and white. Like the numbers just show me that this player is better than the other player and you can't debate it. This is fact, you know, and this is black and white A and B. And it's always been very comforting to me the fact that this is like a, a world with no opinion, you know, yeah. world with no gray area. And, like, it, yeah. do you think that's part of the attraction, maybe?
3: Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I think that something that—and and to kind of even, like, go along with that, I think it's refreshing to do something new that you're bad at.
1: mm and
3: I get that sometimes people might be like I don't like this is frustrating why would I want to do something that's bad I'm the kind of person and I'm I'm sure that I'm not alone in this where like because of my job and what I do like every time I I pick up a hobby and I'm like ooh I wonder if I can monetize this mm. and so doing something like that watercolor class I was like I'm making a painting every week and it is absolute shit. But, (laughs) but it's this meditative practice where I know for a fact, I'm not going to try and sell this. I'm not going to start being a landscape watercolor artist. Like it's never going to happen. And that's why I'm taking this class because I'm not going to do, I'm not going to fuck it up. I'm going to keep it fun.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So just keep it totally separate. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, so yeah, it sounds like you put a lot of pressure on yourself with music. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like, I, I didn't realize this about you. Cause you know, from the outside, I'm like, Kaylee's got it all, you know, like she can just <laughs> do whatever she wants. Like she can play like seven instruments. She can sing. She's cool on stage. Like Kayla would be good Aww, forever. Thanks. You know? And like, but yeah, we, we, you know, until you start, Peeling back the onion. There's a lot more to it, isn't there?
3: Totally. And I mean, one one of my friends asked, they were like, how did you become, how did you get to where you are as a solo artist, like playing guitar on stage by yourself? And I was like, I got really good at piano and violin.
0: Right. And they were like, that doesn't make any
3: sense. And I was like, no, I made myself valuable so that I could get on stage more with other people. And that from then I was able to kind of make my own way.
1: Well, that's awesome. So it's, you never yeah. know
3: how how that path is going to lay itself out. So I just, yeah, I do. I put a lot of pressure on myself, which is why this past year has almost been like a really nice gift to just remind mm. you that like you can't take this shit seriously because it could be gone in a second. And music, that's we right. never thought. We never thought. No,
1: no. Nope.
3: Like the, the day the music died, literally. Like <laughs> yeah. we never thought that this could happen. No. But it can. I don't know
1: why I didn't think of it.
3: Because it just seems so, it just seems so, how could everything stop?
0: Yeah. Around the entire planet. Yeah. yeah. There's always some place you can, you know, there's always been some place you could go, but not this time.
3: Yeah. It was just so wild. So it was like, oh, right. Like, I feel like I have this renewed fire to play music because now I'm literally, like, this record, I'm so excited about. I'm so proud of it. And working with Will has been, like, the coolest opportunity. Nice. Um, I, I just feel like it's a record of music that I would want to listen to, like...
0: Oh, that's great.
3: And and it and it came together, and it's like, I in a, in a way, I don't even remember how we landed on half of the things that we did, because it was, for the most part, the overambitious, I had Joe Godino, my boyfriend, playing yes. drums on. But...
1: Oh, okay. The
3: majority of the record is just me and Will. I was thinking, I'm like, this is a
1: weird Tucker beat.
3: Yeah, no. It when was I was Joe. listening
1: to it, I'm like, I'm like, huh, interesting for Tucker. Like, and it makes so much more sense that you say Joe now. Oh. Yeah,
3: but for mo- most of the record, I played guitar, keys, synth, strings, and wow. Will played bass and drums okay, on everything. Right. So we yeah. were like this. Two man band that like we'd go in for four days and come out with eight songs and I'd be like, holy shit! Yeah, how did we just do that? But it just we we vibe so well and work so well together. And I I think that this time apart, realizing that music could be taken away, just made me feel like, okay, then I'm only gonna play music that I want to. I'm only gonna play music that's fun. I'm only gonna make music that sure. I want to sing along to.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you know I, I mentioned it in a couple of the other segments we're doing on this where. You know, uh I, I hate using like cliche wellness terms and gratefulness practice is mm. one of those ones that just always seems so corny to me. Uh, mm. And yeah, and it, it, if there's anything like this last couple of years has taught me is that like maybe we can use a different, you know, saying for it because <laughs> it's a little corny. But the actual like... You know, uh, exercise itself seems really useful. Are, are, is that part of it for you? Like, are you doing any kind of daily practice like that?
3: Um, I've just started allowing myself silence mm. a lot more. And it's kind of funny because Joe and I are both so used to being apart that right. we are both very independent people. So, right, we've right. started our own kind of nightly routine where at like 9:30 I'll go upstairs and I'll get ready for bed and I'll read a book and I'll do my like my own time. And mm-hmm. we both like really cherish that time where we're both able to kind of like just be doing whatever whatever we want to be doing and kind of be alone doing that. And I've always been a person that recharges when I'm by myself, but I've I've never yeah, I mean, if gratitude sounds corny to you, then yeah, I I get it. <laughs> but I've never felt fuller of it if that mm. if that makes sense like yeah. um especially in such a shit year. Like I mm-hmm. I just I was up in the Adirondacks with my family for New Year's because uh Joe got COVID right. over Christmas, so mm-hmm. we had to quarantine and isolate during that time and even then it was like we're really lucky because of science that Joe has, you know, all of the necessary vaccinations and boosters so that it was really more annoying than than earth shattering. Yeah. Sure. Um, So I just have never felt such gratitude to have a team for the first time in my life, helping Mm. me with a record, Um, you know, science for being healthy (laughs) during this craziness. Yeah. Um, tours on the books that I hope will happen and if they don't they will at some point because yes. people need to see live music sure. a house over our head a dog like <laughs> that doesn't hate us I, I don't know like all of a <laughs> yeah. sudden I was just like life's pretty great
1: yeah once you strip it back did you so did you like um did you have to kind of carve out that that space and that alone time? to be able to like get to those places in your head? Did you like need that room?
3: I think it came out of necessity because it was like, mm. I don't think I can continue going on the way that I am.
1: Right, right. Um,
3: I think that like the the darkness and like the, the fog of the worry just became so much that I was like, okay, I need to get out of this and I need to figure out how to get out of this. So I think at one point I was like, Joe, I'm going upstairs. I'm going to rewatch <laughs> Sex in the City. And then, ha- like, for the first half hour, I was just like lying in bed, just like staring at the ceiling and being like, this is nice. Oh, man. Like, oh, this is nice. Like, let's just quiet everything because the news is incessant in our ears. Yes. Uh, there's so much sadness and tragedy happening around us. There's so many injustices. The music industry is a mess. But bed is really comfy. <laughs> and sex
1: in the city is great fluff. It
3: I mean, it's perfect. Just, fluff. it's perf and then if I can read that <laughs> shit like even better. <laughs> Look at me. I'm I'm intellectual and I'm reading right. books. Right. You don't Make- need to know what's inside those inside those pages.
1: No, no, you just put like yeah. War and Peace on the outside. Exactly.
3: Yeah, and then fine. there's like 50 shades underneath, you know? <laughs> whatever whatever it is that like brings you that Yeah. That You're- that the joy of like eating pizza in your pajamas, playing video games. Mm -hmm. Like there were Saturdays when I would just wake up and I'd go downstairs and I would tell Joe, I am playing video games for like 12 hours. I'm not getting dressed today. Um, And that's just my day because if every day is going to be a perpetual snow day as a musician, I'm going to figure out how to make it exciting.
1: Yeah. You're making me rethink my no TV in the bedroom rule.
3: Oh, it is lovely. I yeah. mean, but but then you turn it off at one point. Like I watch like one episode and then I turn off the TV and I read a book.
1: Right. It's yeah. all
3: about having control over those things. Yeah, I would sit there
1: with Anchorman I've on the loop until like five in the morning. That's what yeah, I should
3: do. It. <laughs> I've learned the lack of, of control is the thing that, that really made my anxiety and depression go into overdrive. So you mm. can only control some things. So it'd be like, okay, I can control the fact that I'm going to watch one episode of my show so I can make Sex in the City last like four and a half months yeah, yeah. and then read a book.
1: I think this is like really useful stuff because it's like, you know, I do think people make the idea of getting better a little too grand, yeah. you know, and uh, unachievable, you know, because it sounds so like, oh my God, how the fuck can I do that? Like it's impossible. But yeah. if you start with these, you know, simple little things like that, like, you know, it, It all can start to make a little more sense and piece back together. It's smart. And it does
3: feel really overwhelming when you are tasked with what makes you happy. And so for a while, I kind of put it off until I was just doing the things that made me happy. Like we don't Uh, have to think so grand about it and be like, well, what makes me happy (laughs) Right. Huh. Uh, You know, and then you then you kind of spiral because you're like, that's such a huge question. That's not a lot different than like, who are you as a solo artist? And you're like, (laughs) I don't fucking know. But (laughs) it's like, okay, well, what would you do if everybody around you was annoying you and you could do anything you want? Would yeah. you just lie down or would you paint your nails or would you take a bath or would you go right. for a walk? Yeah, yeah Like, yeah. that's what makes you happy. It's It really is that simple. Order huh. yourself those dumplings from that spot you rarely right. go to, like, you know? what
1: would you do if nobody was watching is yeah. what probably makes you happy. That's and interesting. So, yeah. And so
3: Joe and I essentially, like, created that at, like, 9 o'clock every night. Right. It's yeah. like – I go upstairs, you stay downstairs. That's, huh. and that's what, and I mean, and also that also kind of having, when you find out that answer, you realize that when you put it into practice, you're actually setting boundaries.
1: Right. And does I never. Does he ever come up too early though? You're like, get the fuck no, out of here. No, he
3: never does. I never Not even yet. see him until the morning. Like <laughs> okay. I, I straight up, like I'm passed out. Yeah,
1: he's good like but. That.
3: <laughs> I realized like I, I've never been good at setting boundaries and I've right. never understood yeah. how people can. And then mm-hmm. I just realized it's just prioritizing yourself. And especially during the pandemic where everybody's got a different comfort level, it's totally fine to be on a different page with someone else. But as long as you don't do anything that you don't want to do and and you respect the other people's way of doing it and they respect yours that's boundary setting and holy shit holy shit it's the best thing ever i i feel like i got drunk with (laughs) with boundary power my therapist kind of (laughs) recently i have to tell you that my therapist and i had like the breakup talk which i didn't i wasn't really expecting because she was like she's about to go on maternity leave and she was just like so what do you think and i was like what do you mean and she's like Like, what do you want from, from, from me? Like, it's like, what are you doing to help with your anxiety? And I was like, dude, setting boundaries is the best shit ever. And she's like, I know I've been telling you that for the past year and a half. (laughs) But like, now that you are putting this into practice, like what's, what is left for me to tell Mm. you? And I was like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But it was also like really nice because I never was good at setting boundaries and I am surprised to learn how easy it actually is and how well-respected like, everybody do- is about it.
1: What prevent, like, like before, you know, kind of this revelation about it, or, I mean, it sounds actually like more of a progression, not a revelation, but, mm-hmm. um, like, what was holding you back before? Was it guilt?
3: Um, there was... Definitely guilt when it comes to interpersonal relationships and family relationships. And then, I mean, there's a whole can of worms that we could open up being a woman in the music industry about not being able to set proper boundaries because you Mm want to make sure like, and, and I mean, don't get me wrong. There were some boundaries that were absolutely set, but at the same time, like the risk of, you know, taking lower paying jobs because you knew that if you didn't take it, somebody else would. Mm -hmm. um, and, and trying to prioritize opportunity over self-worth. Um, Mm. and I think I'm finally at a point where when I'm starting to put myself first and when I'm starting to get some support behind my solo work is when I'm finally able to be like, oh, I'm allowed to like, not that I ever think I'm going to 180 and become like the biggest diva in the world, (laughs) but you know, you can, you can actually have an opinion that people can respect if you do it the right way.
1: I think you should just go full on fucking Beyonce shit.
3: Only only the blue M and Ms.
1: Just go way over the top (laughs) with it. So my rider
3: shouldn't just be one bottle of water and a bag of hippies.
1: (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> well, we know how riders work. You're paying it really for that looks, shit anyway. It so. really
3: looks so sad when you go into my dressing room and they're like, you really Listen, just want one bag of chips and two you bottles know what of you water? Are. All right. You're
1: smart. Okay? Thank you. Thank know you know what every band who has too much shit in their backstage does? Spend way too much money. It's not like that shit's free. You're mm-hmm. still paying for it. It's not like mm-hmm. it just shows up like a unicorn. So, yeah. And you
3: think you're going to eat cheese every night and not come no, home feeling like shit?
1: No. You can't like. How are you going to get a block of Cracker Barrel every night? It's too much Oof. cheese. It's Oof. too much cheese. <laughs> it's
3: too I mean, much I cheese. just can't even think about the havoc that's wreaking on your regularity. Oh,
1: I'm a drummer. You know, it's not like like I, I do a lot of tooting up there. Sometimes it does happen. <laughs> it does happen. I can't. I can't. Not At admit least you I, get
3: to sit down.
1: I know it is nice, and I can, all I gotta do is just like lift the hi hat leg. It's very inconspicuous. Um, <laughs> That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank and you honestly, for having really, me. It was really enlightening, and it's nice to nice to hear you fucking being a boss. I like it, and I can't wait to see what's coming.
3: Thanks. It feels really good to kind of feel like even in this nonsense, you can find a way, you know?
1: I love it. My single mom is giving you a fist bump right now.
3: Aw. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, oh, thanks, No, Kaylee. thank you so much. No. I really,
3: really appreciate it.
1: Dad, do you know that Brad's father is a biblical archaeologist? Wow. Pretty funky, huh? No kidding. That yeah. was his doctorate, yes. What's the weirdest thing you just had sitting around your house as a result? The weirdest thing? Ugh. A mummy?
0: There's definitely some bones, <laughs> but nothing <laughs> yeah. huge. Like, no skulls. We didn't have a, no skulls. any skulls now.
1: So, clearly, your father doesn't believe that if you carry old bones in your house that there's anything attached to it,
0: yeah, well we you yeah. probably would would like there to be something attached to it, just nothing um
1: bad right, right. I wish you had some kind of uh reader to tell if a bone was negative or positive, you know if you would allow it in your house Emitting its but,
0: spirituality,
1: yeah, I remember when when Brad Clifford admitted on this podcast that he has a bone in his home from the, the catacombs. Right, right, it's terrifying. Yes. I don't want that in my house. It's bad that. juju. Mm-hmm.
4: Would it, you let it, that in
1: your house, Dad?
4: There was. We went to a bone uh, church in southern Spain. The walls, the whole church was built out of dead up bones, skulls, arms, legs. It was the weirdest thing.
1: Hmm. Did you have any like vibes when you were in there?
4: I just wanted to get the fuck out of here.
1: <laughs> so, Dad, thanks for coming on. This is cool. We usually, uh, it, it seems very familiar since we talk a couple times on the week on the phone. Yep. Um, so this feels pretty normal. But I'm going to be actually interviewing you, which is sounds, strange. No, so. well,
4: sounds good. <laughs> I'm up for it.
1: So, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was, you know, obviously, you and I have gone. Uh, in-depth a lot about our, you know, feelings about religion and the afterlife and philosophy. You know, it's often something we talk about. Yep. But you happen to have a really unique experience this year and during COVID that was pretty life-altering, even at your advanced age. (laughs) That's accurate. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) do you want to tell the quick story and get into it a little
4: well, the quick story is, you know, um, not having any really underlying medical conditions, I was sitting in an acupuncture office to alleviate help alleviate some back pain, and out of the blue, I experienced massive pain in my jaw and lost sensation in my chest. And by the time I was diagnosed, I had uh, my order was coming apart. And Fortunately, there was a great surgeon nearby, and uh, I was in the operating room for seven hours and um, considered very, very lucky that I survived just the dissection and the surgery. Then afterwards, I was completely without feeling, uh, almost paralyzed below the waist, Um, I was in a hospital 11 days, I was in a rehab for two weeks, and now I'm fortunately about 90 to 95% recovered. And it was life-altering and taught me quite a bit. One, it certainly enhanced uh, what gratitude really means, Mm. and it's really helped me live in the present um, very much more than I was able to do in the past.
1: Now is that like a like like when you're when you're you know saying you live in the present, are you kind of constantly reminded by the situation itself or it's like more intuitive than that?
4: It's a little of both it's it's intuitive, and when I feel I'm slipping, I have a couple of reminders uh I have a my wife took a picture of what I look like, and right after surgery, I was in a, a s- induced coma state for two days and you look at that picture with a ventilator and tubes all over the place and say shit i (laughs) mean that's where i was that makes gratitude real easy anytime i look at the picture so if i'm starting to feel a little edgy and gee what about tomorrow this and that or worrying about something i just whip out that picture and man Uh. it's gone
1: Mm -hmm. and that's something that like Prior to this, you you may have let that feeling like overtake your day. Oh, absolutely.
4: I've never, patience has never been one of my strong suits. Um, (laughs) You know, my whole life, even at, you know, my advanced age, you know, I keep busy in lots of ways, my volunteer work, some business. Yeah. Um, The idea of, you know, just, and not looking forward to something all the time. Mm. You know, yeah, I do look forward to certain things, but I'm not, Putting my investment in what's coming in right, the forward. Right.
1: What's interesting, I mean, is like I feel like you know, with with your career, you know, in education, and then you know, your kind of post career doing volunteer work and stuff. I feel like that perspective has always been fueled in you by other people's situations. You know, like. Like I see the pain in other people and I can help and it gives me perspective. Is this like the first time you can see it for yourself and not via like other people?
4: That's a great point. I think you're right. I mean, my whole life is, you know, basically I'm one of those do-gooders and I've always been that and always wanted my professional work benefiting other people. So that's been my life story, certainly in my work and my volunteer work. But you're right. I don't think I gave that grace to myself as much as I do now. Hmm.
1: So you know, that's a great point. It's interesting. Like, you know, I personally have always been a little averse to like, I don't know, I, not wellness practice in general, because I think it's positive, but like the terminology <laughs> has always bummed me out because it seems sure. so kind of cliche and tacky. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I al- have also found a lot of benefits in I guess what like a wellness person would consider gratefulness practice or you know gratefulness exercises that you do often. Like, ha- have you implemented anything like that in like your day to day? Just to well,
4: a couple of things. When I was in rehab and I really could not move, they used to, they needed a mechanical device just to get me out of the bed into a chair and back and forth. Right. Um, and then, you know, I would be, you know, I'd shit in a bed um, and someone had to, you know, pick me up and clean me off. And I had to figure out how to detach mm. and say, Like detach okay, your mind and your body. Detach else. my mind from my body. Okay. My right. mind is up here. There's these two underpaid CNA women, you know, cleaning my ass And I can't think about that. I just got to go somewhere else. They'll do their business. I'll say thank you and just move on and not get involved and and think about what's happening and just separate my mind from my body. Where did you find yourself going? Just thinking, you know, just brain stuff, what's going on, politics, just thinking. It didn't take much just to get lost in my own thoughts. Sure. And, you know, when they're done, they're done. I said, thank you. And that's it. And I didn't let it overly upset me. And, you know, right. you know me. I'm an independent person. I don't like people doing things for me. Mm. So it was an extra step to even get there to, to have this done to me without freaking out. Yeah, But yeah. I managed. And then if I got tense, I did some, mind, you know, mindful breathing. Which is helpful. And I I know how to do that. And I do that from time to time. I'm not a big meditation person, but I can from time to time, uh, use some mindful breathing when I'm feeling a little anxious and that. So I did more of that and the detachment worked and I settled back and allowed things to happen. Hmm. So yeah, you know, that, that was got me through that very awful period.
1: Do you think in, like, a broader context, like, you know, you could offer that type of solution for anyone in any situation?
4: I I don't know. You know, that's a good question. I think so. I think you could. I'm not sure how you train a person to do that, but just certainly suggest how they frame what's happening to them with a different set of lenses. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, I'm a helpless, oh, gee, I hate people having to do this, or this is my private parts, and God forbid people are looking at it, you know, you got to just say, wait a minute, you know, these are people taking care of some biological needs because I can't right now, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't change who I am as a human being. That's in my soul, in my head, in my thoughts, and Mm -hmm. does not change me of who I am and the kind of person I am.
1: Right, right. It's interesting. Um, did you like? Did you just like abandon like resolutions this year? Because it's just too obvious. Or you? Well, I used
4: uh, you know, in, in my work in my men's group, yeah. uh, we use the word. I use the word intention rather than resolution. Resolution is too absolute. People forget a date. So, when we in my men's group, we raised at our last meeting, we talked about without writing anything down, some intentions for the year, a bigger Mm -hmm. picture. And then if they wanted to put that into a commitment that the group would kind of keep track of, that's optional. But -hmm. let's just start off with a broad intention without putting a real deadline on it and then feeling like we're failing and making all that pressure. So I prefer the word intention rather than resolution.
1: So you think like keeping the scope a
4: little smaller makes it more realistic? Yeah, well, maybe even bigger scope rather than smaller. You're not putting a tangible. You could say my intention is I'm going to take better care of myself this year. Mm. So then you might talk about diet and exercise or a program or seeing the doc more often, you know, whatever it is. But the intention overall is wellness. It's really important for me to get feel healthier this year. Or it's really important for me to get unstuck from the job I'm in and really look at, am I really maximizing my potential in my work? Am I fulfilling my purpose in life? That's my intention to really look at that. Then you throw it out there, and then it's discussed, and you're reminded. If you want to make a firm commitment, and we do that in men's work from time to time, it's voluntary if a man wants to make a commitment. Yeah, I want to lose 25 pounds, or I want to, you know redo my resume and then by making that commitment publicly they're also saying each meeting there will be you will be accountable to the group to see if you made progress Mm
1: -hmm. and
4: what obstacles and if the group could help you
1: yeah yeah i heard someone say that it would be a good idea like uh you know someone being like oh i want to start running and i'm gonna run this year Mm -hmm. which is like so broad and sort of, you know, it's a uh, good place to start, but it, but they, they recommended that you say, I'm going to run in for January. Like, I'm just going to make sure I run in January and like, keep it the scope a little smaller just to make it a little more. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm.
4: guess. Sure.
0: One step at a time.
4: Yeah. Everybody's different. You know, what works, you know, different kinds of goals, you know, daily list, how you task list. I mean, how do you keep yourself focused and motivated? Um, I find one thing that's helpful when I'm writing, if I reach a block, I'll go by the clock. I'll write for 15 minutes and then reward myself for five minutes, play a video game or walk around a house or go get a cup of coffee or something. And that's kind of my reward. And then I'll go back to my task. Mm. So kind of self-reward and build that in when you're trying to concentrate. You know, that helps.
0: Yeah, so
4: I got to ask what video games you're playing. I, you know, the only, I don't really do video games. I'm I'm addicted to this spider solitaire that you play with three decks. And uh-huh. I do that maybe, you know, I, I limit myself because you can get hung up on it. So I spend about, you know, 10, 15 minutes and then I say, stop, I'll go do something else. Or after I win, then I have to. I can't play it for a couple of hours.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> were, you, were you hoping for like Call of Duty or something, Brad? Yes. I just, like my, my pops in a headset, I, like anything. cursing the little kids. I mean, my
0: dad was never gone near a video game. I just, I'm just trying to find out
4: what. Yeah. What and TV it got possible. started because I was in a study, uh, uh, a study on Alzheimer's that I volunteered as a subject. And one of the things that they were doing the experimental treatment the treatment group was there was a series of they're not really a video games the video puzzles right when you play on a computer and the premise of the study is that folks engaged in these uh video things for a certain number of hours a week will slow down any chance of dementia
0: uh-huh.
4: and that i participated in that study in that I dropped out because I thought the study was not well designed because they kept repeating the same puzzles and after you master a puzzle a few times it becomes really boring so mm. <laughs> it defeats the purpose <laughs> right. of, like you're causing you
1: alzheimer's here. With- <laughs> yeah thank you It's boring as shit
4: <laughs> yeah. so uh I dropped out of that I even called the director and you know played oh, really? a little bit I you know hey and you know I do have a phd I do know research design let me tell you got a flaw in this research. I don't think she was real happy to hear that. But <laughs> right.
1: <It> wasn't too open <laughs> really. Right. <laughs>
4: yeah. But I did reveal why and then I dropped out. And then that I said, but on the other hand, if I can find one of those puzzles that I do find engaging mm. and does change and challenge me, I'll make a point of doing some time on it every day and make it a little reward because I think the basic premise of certain activities are good for the brain, uh, yeah. you know, in the aging process, you know, makes sense. I
1: sure. think that's an important thing to remember too, with like overall wellness is, you know, people always put it in this box, like, oh, you know, you have to wear comfortable pants and ring these bells and sit in this place for 30 minutes in silence to be able to, you know, achieve some peace in your mind or something. When in reality for some people, you know, 20 minutes of Madden could do that.
4: (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. And I, you know, know,
1: like there are like, like, I I don't like how limiting it is. Sometimes there are, you know, it's one of the reasons I kicked out video games from my life and realized I should probably have them back Mm -hmm. because they were this nice little escape for me that was safe and easy and quick. Yeah. As long as you manage it, you know, like anything
4: else, as long as you manage it and it becomes, and you learn how to use it in a positive way. But, you know, I, did a lot of work and the kids I worked with you know, running two schools for kids with special needs, most of the kids were ADHD. And the literature had suggested, you know, you minimize STEM because these are kids who are looking for self-STEM. And I said, right. wait a minute, I think there's something wrong here. Maybe some background STEM would help them focus. Because I know it works for me. For example, I do not like silence. I, anytime I'm alone or by the computer or reading, I have music on and I tailor the music to what I'm doing. You know, if I'm really thinking and writing, I'll put on classical. If I'm just kind of doing something loose or reading a novel, then I'll put on something more upbeat. But I cannot sit in a quiet room. It freaks me out.
1: I noticed when I was at the rehab that we had CNN blasting all day long.
4: Right. I just needed to stem, you know, to keep me. So what I did, I bought in, you know, date me a little bit, but, you know, in the Walkman days. So I bought, you know, a bunch of walkmen for one class. And I had the kids while they were doing their seat work, and these were all ADHD kids with severe behavior problems. When they had the headphones on doing the music, they had much better concentration and task completion of their seat work, yeah, which just kind of proved my hypothesis. Yes, these are kids dying for STEM, so if you give them some STEM, and you notice kids with ADHD, they could sit in front of a video game for hours. Right, because they're yep. getting the stem that their body is not naturally producing, so you're right, just arbitrarily saying you've got to sit silently in a pose for thirty minutes to get yeah, yeah, maybe it works for some people, but you know you can't it's not one size fits all when it comes no. to that,
1: and as an a d h d kid, I can confirm your uh theory for sure,, I um,
4: noticed you probably <laughs> got a bit of it from your father,
1: eh, maybe, maybe. I heard that happens. Um, so, you know, this is, this episode is called the optimist club. Um, so, you know, the point of beginning this last year was, you know, last January was maybe, you know, more grim than it is now. And I was looking to find some, you know, either silver linings from the situation or perspectives for people to, you know, move ahead in a good direction. And, So I was wondering in the last two years, like, you know, that we have this sample size now, do you think there's anything positive, the silver lining, something to this whole situation that's actually improving people or improving society at all?
4: That's tough. Uh, It's a tough question. I think a little bit anybody who has survived COVID or has someone close to them who survived it is going to have some gratitude. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important. I think um, it you have to be paying more attention to your daily life and what's important because life is thrown asunder and broken a lot of habits. So some of the habits that are broken are good habits, and it's a shame, mm-hmm. but there are probably some bad habits that have been broken because yeah. of time and thinking and what is the purpose of my? I mean one clear example you know the um, the number of people quitting jobs these days at first you know a lot of uh, conservatives were saying well you know we've got all these people giving them money they don't want to work but when you look at the data the people who are leaving work are mostly 55 plus mm. which tells you that those folks at that stage of life during the pandemic are saying hey Do I really have to go to this shitty job every day? (laughs) I'm getting bored. I'm not going anywhere. Life's too short. And the pandemic has reminded me. So I have got enough money in my 401k. Uh, My house is appreciated. I got some equity. Screw it. I'm leaving. I'm not working anymore. And 55 pluses are leaving work in droves. So... To me, that's a silver lining, making people aware of time is limiting and what I really want and what's meaningful for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I truly believe in disruption. I think it's extremely useful, uh, you know, as long as it's directed in the right way, for sure.
4: Absolutely. And, you know, we talked the other day. I mentioned, you know, when you look at the literature, adult change, if there's no dissonance between your goals and where you are, you're never going to change. So right. this period of time made people a lot more mindful of their goals. And then looking at what my life is today compared to my goals, say, shit, you know, time's gone by. You know, let me let me focus on what I want and what's really meaningful to me. So I think that's one huge silver lining when something like this happens. And I said to you, um, you know, at my advanced age, I thought I lived through everything. Right. and man yeah. no <laughs> right, right never lived through this so yeah, you know yeah. that was an eye opener. my smugness and saying right. hey i've been around a while i've lived through protests in vietnam right. when and i was nixon trying to tell you and trump and is not right. nixon
1: yeah
4: right <laughs> <laughs> but even then you know i've been through a horrible you know the 68 riots and you know i was overseas and all kinds of things i said you know What haven't I seen? And wow, no, I have not seen a pandemic and not been seen. my society locked down. So that's kind of, in a way, was refreshing and reminding, you know, there's still stuff to learn. You haven't seen everything, buddy. And, you know, wake up (laughs) and, you know, pay attention because you haven't seen everything. It's
1: interesting. I remember, is it is it true? I remember you telling me when you were in the Peace Corps in the time you were gone was when, King and Kennedy were both assassinated? Like Yeah, while yeah, away?
4: absolutely. And then you're there as supposedly a spokesperson for the United States. And people are talking to you and say, how could that happen in your country? Mm-hmm. And when you're walking down a street and see a headline in, you know, in Brazil and Portuguese, you know, Kennedy, um, you know, King assassinated and then Bobby assassinated. And you just, you know, and people are asking, you're an American. Could you explain this? and say, no, I can't explain this, this is awful, and I'm not here, and, you know, I got home in August of 68, right before the Chicago riots, and, you know, it was, wow, what a change just in two years, but being out of the country during that time was really, really difficult, because you're still an American, and somehow, you know, your country's not perfect, but people are looking to you as, the the uh, lighthouse in the world right. and then you have to explain this shit of, you know, what's going on. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it was tough. It was I remember tough.
1: when uh, the first time I went to Europe was you know, January 2002 which was, you know, just a, literally like very shortly after the U.S. decided to invade uh, Iraq and Afghanistan after nine eleven.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, I'm playing these, these weren't big club shows. You know, I'm playing fucking squats with, right. Um, and you should know that Italian and Spanish crust punks are the real deal. Okay. They, <laughs> they all got a single dread popping out of the back. They eat nothing but stew. They are serious <laughs> punk business over there. So, like, when I'm over there, and like you said, you feel like this diplomat. Where they're like, ah, so what is this fucking George Bush? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my God, Jesus Christ. Like, how am I going to do this right now? And, and like, with the language barrier and all this, like, there's no way I could make this sound any degree okay. So I used to just kind of put my hands up and be like, yeah, it's... It's the fucking worst. Like I, I don't know. I don't know what to. No, tell you're me. right on
4: track. I remember years ago we were in um, in Scotland and in the B and B, and it was this German couple there, and they spoke some English, especially the guy, and you know he's kind of talking, peeling me out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, the German. And then way. he said, "What do you think of Bush?" And I said, I hate him. And he <laughs> right, right. said, yay. And we became great friends <laughs> right, instantaneously, right, right. Yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you and then take- just not too long ago, I was in a cab in Lisbon and the cab driver. And, you know, I spoke up Portuguese so I could communicate. He said to me, what is this with this Trump? How could you people have this guy running for office? And I, you know, said, ah, you know, it's blowing my mind too, buddy, you know. yeah. But you're right people you know europeans etc you know who look at our culture maybe a little more critically or that you know they say you know You're just supposed to be the smartest greatest country in the world how could you do this stupid shit
1: yeah yeah i remember i ate crow the entire time except for one swedish punk band who got under my skin enough that i was like oh, okay do we want to talk about world war ii <laughs> <laughs> Do we? You want to go there? How you open the door? Just let him in. Is that cool? No, no, you don't want to go there. Okay, can we stop talking?
4: Thank you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's I'd be so sanctimonious. We exactly, have history no. too. Like,
1: I'm like, I know how much Finland hates you. Okay, there's a reason. <laughs> you had Viking wars for hundreds of years. Like, um, you know, I know we're newer at this, but <laughs> you got history too. Um, so I would feel remiss since I've been growing up. Hearing these stories, and I finally got you on the horn. To, okay. And I know I'm a pretty private person, so I don't think people have any idea what my family's really like. Uh, I, you know, I grew up hearing Bronx tales, mm-hmm. like like tales from the Bronx, like all the time. Is there any you would feel comfortable sharing on the air right now, particularly the good one, like you know the the, the knife one? You know, would you tell that story, or is it too personal?
4: uh there's so many i'm
1: (laughs) i'm talking about the schoolyard knife to your neck oh yeah when the vendetta response
4: yeah oh yeah yeah that's that's okay you'll talk about that one sure sure let's get it. so you know in new york city for those who are not familiar um life centered around the schoolyard that's where you went to play you went to hang out during the day you played ball at night you hung out, you know, and, and that schoolyard was life. We all lived in apartments. Uh, nobody came over to your apartment to hang out. They were too small. You were in your parents' way. So you hung out outside. Mm-hmm. So um, sitting one, we went to, we had a night center. The elementary school, one night a week, uh, was open to the community. You know, teenagers. And we mm-hmm. go out, hang out play basketball in the gym and listen to music downstairs, play ping pong. Everything was cool. And then out of the blue, this gang from a neighbor from a nearby neighborhood called the Vendettas invaded our night center. And they were, you know, typical old fashioned 50, ish gang people, you know, with the duck hair and the, and wearing the heavy boots and, being sluggish, and, and I'll we say some, it
1: since you maybe don't want to, they were Italian
4: gangs, correct? <laughs> yes, they were. Yes, the vendetta. Yeah, come on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we were kind of intimidated. They were taking over the place. They were bullying. Uh, we didn't know what to do. We, were, you know, we talked, and they were a little older, and you know, it was a gang, and so this was not good. And then, so they're around. They came into the schoolyard. They. Put graffiti on the wall. And this is pre-graffiti days where right. it was not a big thing in New York. Well, this is just,
1: absolute proof that graffiti absolute, was born in the Bronx. <laughs> that's right.
4: They put this big thing on the schoolyard yeah. wall, you know, the vendettas they right. painted.
1: You're predating and, style wars by about thirty years. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's the setting. And then one day I'm sitting in the schoolyard. It was kind of empty with my buddy Ricky. And sure enough, who comes marching into the schoolyard, about 12 of them, with a couple of their girls, the Mm. vendettas. Mm. So Ricky and I look at each other, and we said, you know, we better run. And I said, fuck, I don't want to run. I'm tired of running from these guys. Sure, we should have run. (laughs) So we were surrounded. One guy pulls the knife, puts me in a headlock, and I was frustrated because I felt one-on-one I might be able to take this guy. But there were 12 of them. Right. So he puts me in a headlock and takes out a stiletto and sticks it right in my eye. And he says to one of his guys, let's cut the Jews' eye out. Oof. So I was not real happy. And I was scared shitless. <laughs> yeah. So then the girls said, ah, leave him alone. And they kind of were screwing around. And they knew they had terrified us enough. And finally let us go. So Ricky and I left. And we said, this is it. We're done. We're going to take revenge. We're going to go after these guys. So what do we have to do? So let's organize. So fortunately, Ricky had an older brother with a tough reputation. We knew another friend of ours had an older brother nicknamed the neck. (laughs) because <laughs> when he came down the street he was all neck oh, and then it was koski the plumber you know these were some of the older brothers we recruited and all of us decided like working
1: class guys like yeah that yeah.
4: we are this friday night we're kicking the shit out of the vendettas so we all show up and there's koski with his wrench in the neck and we're outside <laughs> in the steps of the schoolyard the vendettas come out with toe to toe and all of a sudden the country Bunch of cars pull up from their uh, associated gangs, the Ford and Baldies, the Golden Guineas, what? and chains are coming out of the trunks. And it's really looking like West Side Story. I mean, <laughs> major gang war. And this poor schmuck teacher who ran the whole night center, he was the shop teacher in our junior high, Mr. Farber, I'll never forget him. He got scared and called the cops. Just as we were about to rumble, <laughs> the police cars showed up. Oof. split us all up. But you know what? <laughs> Vendettas disappeared. We never saw them again uh. because we stood up with our sense and we were ready and it was a real victory and it just a life-changing story. I was all of 13, maybe 14 years old, tops, and you know, the lesson about bullies and how to handle it and all that, and you know, it was really, it was, I'll never forget that story and it was just Really cemented in my memory bank about you know my probably my most uh, memorable Bronx tale.
1: Wow! Yeah, it's a great one. That's it's a great one, and I I always wonder too. I'm like you know I've been in some strange situations that I should have backed down, and I didn't. And sometimes I wonder if if it's because of this story, (laughs) 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 you know, dangerous situations too. Well, thanks for sharing it. That's cool for me because like. I don't know. It, it's, it warms my heart to know that our going-off-track listeners will hear one of my the childhood Bronx tales. That it's nice. It's cool. Well, Pops, we're at about 30 minutes, and this is a shorter one because we do a few people. But thanks for doing this.
4: No, yeah. no, it's fun. I enjoyed good.
1: it. I'm glad you had a good time, and I hope I see you soon.
4: Okay. Take care, Brad.
1: What so did you think of my dad? Did he sound like you thought he would sound? Uh, I yeah,
0: I suppose. What were, were you expecting? Um, I wasn't. Ex- I that's a tough one. What was I expecting? I was expecting something not far off from that. I think. Okay. I wasn't <laughs> okay. surprised when I heard his voice. Let's put it that right. way.
1: Yeah, he's got a pretty unique voice, right? Yeah. Koski with his wrench. Kofsky that's
0: like that's like a band name, Koski with his wrench.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was like emo, like midwestern <laughs> '90s one. Yeah, like sweep the leg, Johnny, and Koski with the wrench. <laughs> be playing at the Fireside Bowl.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, ah, Brad, band. Brad,
1: Brad. I love that we got to do another one of these episodes. I'm cl- um, I'm glad that you
0: decided to, that we needed to do it. I think we should make it a
1: yearly ritual. Oh, 100%. You yeah. don't do it two years in a row and then just bail. Right. I mean, um, <laughs> but should we do it every year on the 6th for our our uh, our insurrection anniversary? <laughs> Cuz
0: <'Cause
1: laughs> there's so much fun stuff to talk about. I
0: looked at the date. Last year's was released on the 5th, so it happened before the insur- it was before. Oh, uh, like, yeah, like right
1: before. But, I kind of remember that. You know what? It's funny you say that because I remember we were putting this episode uh together last year and i was like man it might be weird when this comes out yeah. like but i remember thinking at the time that's like even more of a reason yeah to pet out an Optimus club episode it's like it,
0: well it was in the air know. it was in the air it wasn't a surprise you're right about no. that like yeah yeah the Optimus club wasn't just about the pandemic put it that way
1: no 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 we knew something was on the brink for yeah. sure i felt it you felt it yeah it's crazy and I don't know. I think it's important. Like, it's not like we have some huge platform. We're not fucking newsmen, you know, <laughs> we're not people like that. So how can people like us do anything that contributes anything positive to that? Mm. Try and stay fucking positive. I yeah, mean it's baby. simple, right? Yes. <laughs> like that's it. At least find Just, the positive. It's out there. Yeah. It's out Listen there. to an H two O record or something. You know? <laughs> positive. You <laughs> need this positivity. But Uh, I think, I hope that, uh, you know, this year for most people will go a little smoother, particularly my musical brethren who have been suffering a rough few months again. Most of my friends have either done shows and gotten COVID or canceled shows because of COVID. Right. Um, And everything's getting pushed again towards the summer and fall. And, you know, I really hope by that time, not that like it's over and we're back to you know some paradise or something but at least like we can uh get used get to it it. going again without <laughs> just get it going again without the major disruption you know i it's like i realize this is going to be here now yeah. for a long time probably forever yeah and the thing i'm hoping for now is just this idea that we can live with it you know and like we can move ahead and still have some version of our lives while this thing is happening. Cause that seems to be where it's trending. So, you know, that's what I hope this year is that just uh, everything starts to balance out a little bit more. Um, And I'm just talking about the disease politically. Don't get me started. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) but I do think, I believe more than ever now, especially with the hindsight of like 2016 to 2020, like the things that are positive, the things that are negative, the things that remain steadfast, like there are certain ties to all people still,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know? And like, I think it's just everybody's responsibility to a point to try to find it, you know? Like, cause it sucks. The alternative sucks. Mm -hmm. And I, as much as I'm ready to cross the line and fight for the North, if I have to, (laughs) I, I really don't want to, you know, uh, like I'd no. prefer to live in my forest house and continue being a shitty American. It was, <laughs> it was fun. You know, it was you, pretty good. Th- you, things were good. You'd like to <laughs> stand up for yourself,
0: get ready to throw down and then have that cop car come and break it up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. The metaphorical life cop. Uh, car. Yeah, please, sure. I think so. I think so. <laughs> Kofsky. We all need Kofsky coming in the neck. Oh, Man, we all need a friend like the neck. Me and you need a guy like oh, that. Oh yeah. You know?
0: I I got a few guys that are close to the neck. You do? Yeah, I got. A, there's a couple
1: of guys I could probably call if I really got desperate. Wow. But, I'm uh, curious. <laughs> Is this some like underground New York City like mob uh, stuff I don't know about? No, just a few. There's a few. What are you guys up to out there? Come, what
0: you, up to? <laughs> you live long enough. You live interestingly enough. You know. You is
1: this some friends. guy you used to buy like cocaine from sure. in 1988? I'm sure you've got some <laughs> friends like that. Come on. <laughs> oh, I got a ton. Yeah, I could make. Oh my god. If I, that's one thing I'm sure about, which actually feels good in life, is if it really came down to it, and I needed to like gang up. Yeah, I get a lot of fucking scary ass dudes around yeah. for sure, and women. I know some fucking badass girls. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, but yes. Yes, yeah, so I could get on my phone and I could get a pretty good crew together, I think. Yeah. Willing to fuck some shit up. I have a lot of friends who adhere to the policy of if your friend asks you punch first and ask later. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I have a lot of friends like that. Right. Like if you're if your boys in trouble, your girls in trouble, you take care of business and then you sort out whatever the details were after. Right. But, you know, but you got to got to get into it at the time or else you're a sucker you know yeah. it's, just, it's just how it is I, I, I guess it makes sense that i am my father's son um yeah that story really uh brings some shed some light on you <laughs> we're chippy jews what can i say <laughs> you know the whites the whites have been annoying us for a long time <laughs> the vendettas goddamn them <laughs> oh fuck it and you know what's funny too like i always wondered sometimes because I, I heard a lot of like crazy stories and i'm like i gotta look into this a little. Like. And sure enough, I do like quick Google searches, like the Ford and Baldies, the Vendettas, like these crews were real. Yeah. But like they have their own Wikipedia pages. They were, they were real. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so this shit's cool, man. But uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in to another year of going off track. Yes. Brad and I will be coming with as high quality of content as we are capable of putting out, I guess. <laughs> We're going to try our best. That's that's what I'm saying. But that's all I can give you. I'm no guarantees. I'm just going to try my best. Yeah. You know? That's all they want. Um Yeah. Brad, you're you're aging into like a fine Sean Connery. Maybe we should go to video again cuz you're you're looking good these days. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take what that. What do the compliment. people think? Can the people chime in? <laughs> do you want to see me and Brad again or do you like it like this? I'm right. actually curious you I don't know, know they it's more romantic to just hear our voices but listen i got a lava lamp now though
0: oh you do yeah and i got yellow glasses dude i mean
1: <laughs> saying we could get groovy <laughs> but so thanks for everyone if you're really into it you know do the fucking review stars <laughs> thing or go to our patreon and uh sign up because we have some stuff on there and uh our weekly chat, which is a very nice place. Yeah. We doing 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 that tonight. This evening. Yeah. Yeah. Doing that tonight. Good. See everyone there. So, uh, yeah. Thanks to everyone. Thanks to you, Brad. Thank you, Benny. Have a great weekend. You too. (laughs) And, uh, best to the family. Best to the kids. Thanks. Same, same at you. All right. Love to everyone. See ya.